Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Ignatius Beard, as you can see, and I am so happy to be up here to be able to share the message with you today on communion. But first, I'd like to say a word of prayer to start us off. Father, thank you for giving us this time to remember your son's incredible sacrifice. He suffered and died on the cross so that our sins could be washed away and that we could be part of your family. Thank you for that immeasurable love displayed. Please allow the scriptures today and your promises to speak to our hearts. Help us take in the reality of your perfect son's offering that serves, that, that can save those who obey and try to become like him. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. 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 So I, I do have a title for this message called To Save the Many. Uh, and once again, this is about communion. And during this is the time of service where we reflect on the pain and suffering that our Lord um, experienced for us. And this was all throughout the Gospels that this was displayed. And in case you need a refresher, I'll read in Matthew 26, uh, verses 26 through 28. This is during the Last Supper, uh, as you guys are getting there, and Jesus is with his disciples one last time before he's soon about to experience this. So, starting in verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Like, in that verse, in verse 28, I, I want us to think about that word many um, as I read another verse in the Old Testament. So try to keep that word many in your mind. Um, but we're actually going to go into the Old Testament. We're going to go into Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. So if you can. Uh, and specifically Isaiah chapter 53. As you guys are getting there, this area of Isaiah is a part where the prophet is reminding the people of Israel that suffering is part of God's plan. But incredibly, Jesus is about to experience almost word for word what is going to be displayed in this chapter. And also explain like, the purpose, ultimately. So in Isaiah 53, I'm going to start in verse 3, and I'll read to verse 12. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? 
for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And through the Lord, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord were prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will, be, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By the knowledge, by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgression. So thinking about verse 11, I actually have the, a good news translation of verse 11. And I think it's also good. It says, after a life of suffering, he will again have joy. He will know that he did not suffer in vain. My devoted servant with whom I am pleased will bear the punishment of many. And for his sake, I will forgive them. So we're, we're kind of seeing that theme, man, the word many, often in these select scriptures. And to understand that word, we, we have to understand that the sin, that this plan of forgiveness that Jesus displayed was not just for the people of Israel, but it was for everyone, including Gentiles and including those who are looked down on in society. And to jump into the New Testament, if you could keep your uh, place in Isaiah, we're going to go to the book of Acts now. Uh, but we're going to see an example of someone who wouldn't have had a, a high view in society. This, uh, in Acts chapter 8, we're going to go into the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. So... Starting in, in verse 27, I'll just briefly kind of give some backstory that's going on. The scripture is about a faithful Ethiopian eunuch who has just been in Jerusalem worshiping, most likely during Passover, and he's coming back home. And Philip is there at the right time to meet him. At the same time, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading this very section of Isaiah that we're currently in. So I'm going to start in verse 30, and I'll read to verse 35. So... Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak? of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So there's a lot of good points mentioned in these five verses, but there's also a lot of, a lot of things not mentioned. And to provide further backstory, to understand this eunuch and his ultimate joy that he's about to experience. 
We have to understand where his place was in society back then. So what's not mentioned here is that the eunuch wouldn't have been able to worship with the Jewish worshipers in Jerusalem. Uh, at least he would have to worship at a distance. Uh, he traveled very far. Um, I looked just to do some research. He traveled about 1,500 miles. It's almost from here to Tennessee, pretty much. And because of the desert and because of the chariot, the speed of a chariot, on average, that takes about five months. Uh, but it shows his faith, right? It shows how much he loved God. To Even with his status currently as a eunuch, he's still willing to make that trip to worship God in Jerusalem. Yeah. However, even though he was a treasurer, because of his status as a eunuch, he would have automatically been considered unclean to be with the Jewish worshipers. Not only that, uh, in Deuteronomy 23, verse 1, shows that because of, just describes how eunuchs aren't allowed to be in the tent assembly of, with, with the people, with, with Jewish people. So and they would have definitely been still practicing that. Um, so even though he has his faith, he, there, was, there would have been a sense of, there's limitations on his, on his faith. But at the moment, we're about to see why he had the joy. Like Philip encouraged this eunuch with the good news of Jesus, right? Why is it good news? Because he shared that Jesus died for all. He died for all of our transgressions. He broke down that barrier that was preventing the eunuch to, to not be with in the presence of God. Instead of being, an, instead of being uh, worshiping from far away, instead of being an outsider, he was given the chance to be at the front seat or be in, have a seat at the table of yeah. God's table. Amen. And I'm sure Philip used many scriptures to encourage the eunuch. And we're actually going to read one, one more. And since we're now we're going to go back to the Old Testament. Uh, so we're still going to be in Isaiah, but we're going to be in Isaiah 56 now. So while we're getting there, we're about to see that God's plan was not to forget the eunuch. It was not to forget the foreigner. It was not to forget the Gentile. And that's something that we can relate with. So in Isaiah 56, I'm going to read in verse 1 to verse, to verse 7. This is, what it's, oh, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand. And my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does, who does this, the person who holds fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, who chooses what pleases me and who holds fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship him, to keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who holds fast to my covenant, these these servants I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted at my altar. 
for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. I really believe that this is why he was so joyful. He could claim this promise. He can, he can, this promise applies to him now through Jesus. To be in God's house, to be part of a family, no longer to be looked down on for being a eunuch or looked down on for being different, not being from any tribe of Judah. He didn't have to experience that, that second-class feeling anymore. He was there on equal footing with anyone who, who follows Jesus. That's why he's so eager to get baptized and to join this family. As we see later on in Acts, he's looking for water. He's like, how do I join this family? How do I get into this new grace? And that's why he went home rejoicing, you know. And so it's just, it's a lot that we can, we can relate with and identify with. And, and as we're soon about to take communion, um, I want us to do one thing. Um, and briefly or just privately while you're taking a, your communion, is just to look around this room. Um, I, we don't use words Gentiles and stuff like that these days, but that's what we all would have been. We most likely would have been uncleaned and, and not able to worship um, a God in that way back then. But we don't have to worry about that anymore because we're no longer foreigners. We're no longer Gentiles, but we are brothers and sisters. We get that, we get that access to God's family now, guys. And it's all because of Jesus. I, I wasn't going to include the scripture, but I, I just I, I wanted to bring it up now, though. Uh, Romans, Romans chapter five. Uh, very last scripture, I promise. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but it's just, just incredible. That word many, just to go back to that word, it's, it's, it's so inclusive, guys. It really is. Uh, I'm just going to read one verse of chapter 5 of Romans, and that's verse 15. In this section of Romans, there's a distinction that Paul is making between the sin uh, caused by Adam, but the gift and the, the, the grace that comes with Jesus. So in verse 15, it says, But this gift, this gift of salvation, is not like the trespass. For if many died for the trespass of the one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? The sacrifice of Jesus is greater than the sin of Adam. It just is. And that's in huge encouragement. No matter what sin we've ever committed or experienced, is not greater than his grace. It's not greater than the, the sacrifice that was made to atone and, and the blood that was spilled to, to, to wash of us of, of that sin. Yeah. So, it, so this is, it's, it's crucial to understand because this is our reality today. Even though we go into this word, this is our reality. And to tie it to our, our current series, um, to be more like Jesus, getting heaven into you, all that, God, all that Jesus asks is for us to follow him. All he asks is for us to, to try to be like him to accept this grace, to, to do what he said, to obey, to, to go through the waters of baptism. That's, that's what he, that's all he wants. And then with that, we will have that, that grace that's greater than any sin. It's greater than any sin ever committed since Adam. Amen. 
That's all he wants. He wants us to follow him. So the eunuch that day definitely got heaven into him. So that's, and that's something that we can experience today. But once again, knowing that this acceptance that we are experiencing is only possible because of his suffering. So let's remember that as we prepare to take the bread and the juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you first and foremost for your love. Your perfect son endured persecution, slander, torture up until his last breath. He endured that for all of us. It's going to take more than a lifetime for us to, to, to understand that love. It really is. We thank you for expressing this love on the cross so that you were able to save many. Thank you for including us in that many. Help us process what this forgiveness and acceptance into your family cost as we take the bread and the cup. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.